The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Attached Notes. Hello, listeners. We had mentioned in our episode zero and in the introduction to our Peter Pan episode that originally we thought we had so much to say about Peter Pan that we were going to have to just split it right down the middle. Fortunately, that ended up not happening, although the Peter Pan episode was god-awful long. But part of how we got it down to under two and a half hours was by cutting out a lot of our discussion of how to handle the natives. We had like three or four options for how to handle the natives in the actual episode. We discussed a lot more than that. Yes, we did. <laughs> so if you listen to the episode and you said these three or four options are great, but what I really want is to hear Rachel and Tom exhaustively discussing like half a dozen options and going into way more detail about wood elves, orcs, um, cultural significance cultural thereof, significance thereof uh, respectful treatment of actual natives, then we have the bonus episode for you. So, enjoy! And this is a good place to segue to one of the first things we started talking about when we're talking about adapting. Mm-hmm. Peter Pan for the year of our Lord 2022. And that is how do you handle, once again, we're going to call it the natives. The movie, I really, really like the classic Disney animated Peter Pan. It is possibly my favorite classic Disney animated movie. It's super racist. Mm-hmm. But it is on revisiting the book less racist than the book. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, because wow. the name of the tribe God. is not a racial slur. Holy monkey pants, yeah, It's Barry. really something. Um, <laughs> and once again, there's a whole thing about how, like, European adventure fiction about Native Americans was just taking, like, American Western and blah, 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 blah. There's, a, like, the equivalent of how in America a lot of people don't even know that a certain term for Roma is actually a racial slur, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, every con- every, 2022. Every conversation and like, a Ravenloft-adjacent social media thing about the Vistani involves some people not realizing that they are based on an actual real-world cultural group and not a recurring character in, in, in like, Dracula movies. Yeah. Anyway, so how do we deal with the natives? And there's a lot of <laughs> possibilities, and you find what's best for you, you find what's best for your table and your mm-hmm. group, but we want to at least offer some possibilities. Yes. One is to do what they do in Hook, which is basically they're not present. Mm-hmm. They are mentioned a couple times they talk about fighting them, blasting them with Long Tom, Tiger Lily, but we never see them. And you know what? That is absolutely a valid just saying, I do not want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. In my gaming table, let's just not have Princess Tiger Lily. Yeah, I think if I were to go this route, I would go even farther than the hook and not even mention them because they're just going to be the elephant in the room. If you're going this route, it's because it's such a radioactive thing that you don't want to touch it at your table. And if you have somebody mention them, then your players are going to be going, oh gosh, are they going to show up? So I think, you know, hook, they mentioned them. If I were to go the route of not having them show up, I wouldn't mention them. But to make the case for having some iteration of the natives, they do, I think, play an important role in the story and they play a role that'll be very fruitful for the PCs to interact with. I really like having the natives as a group that is not based on a real world culture because they play a really important role in the story. They're they're this third 
party that's sometimes allied with the Lost Boys, sometimes antagonistic with them. When they are antagonistic, it's not because they're evil like the pirates. They are just, you know, kind of having these war games with each other. But they're not evil. They're just kind of fighting because it's fun. Yeah, having this third party, they're not the villains of the setting like the pirates. They have this very strict code of honor. They clash with the Lost Boys, so that mm-hmm. kind of presumably your PCs are mainly kind of going to be falling in with the Lost Boys and identifying with the Lost Boys, but they're not enemies with the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. And in some kind of cases, they're allies. But that relationship can change. So in the Peter Pan stage play, the book, and some iterations, you have the whole, when they rescue Tiger Lily, it causes this deep friendship that wasn't Disney there before. Also. Yeah, this yeah. movie also. They're allies in a way they weren't before. Mm-hmm. So you have this evolving relationship between the Lost Boys and the Natives. And once again, that's cool. That's fruitful. Mm-hmm. You can get a story from that. And that's a group that I think your PCs are going to very fruitfully interact with. Yes. So if we're keeping the Natives, let's talk through how to do that in a way that will not make us ashamed of ourselves. <laughs> I am normally, I'm very opposed to bad, wrong fun. I'm very opposed to saying that anyone is doing anything wrong at their own personal table with their own personal players. If you're on them the way they are in the movie, you're a terrible you're a bad person, person. And we don't want you listening to our show. But, there, I said. But, li- but like, and give you a five-star review before you, before you stop listening. So one possibility, and this is actually the primary reason we watch the utter nightmare that is the 2015 pan. We Beyond watched, Smells Like Teen Spirits. We watched half of it and then yeah. it broke. Not even half. We watched a third of it, honey. <laughs> but we watched through the first major interaction with the natives. And that is to do them as this kind of polyglot, multiracial, multi-ethnic. Like the, the aesthetic was very mixing a lot of like cultures together. They were multiracial. They were multilinguistic. And kind of the dominant thing was very hippie. What was the the one group of Vistani and the one supplement that, like, the leader was a halfling? That was the, if I recall correctly, the 4E iteration of the Vistani. Okay. Was that it was a set of cultural ideals mm-hmm. that anyone of any race could be a part of. And they were, like, planar travelers, which mm-hmm. totally fits the Vistani. Yes. But so they specifically had a group where the, the Rani, mm-hmm. the, the matriarch, was a halfling. Mm-hmm. And they were described as like, there's dragonborn and there's, you know, elves and there's dwarves. And it's just this kind of commune, multiracial commune that accept the cultural values of Vistani. Mm-hmm. Or you also see this in some iterations of the Mandalorians mm-hmm. in Star Wars, that they are this ideology and this culture that anyone of any race can join. And even in some of the, in some of the comics and the novels and things you even have, like... Trandoshan Mandalorians, Rhodian Mandalorians, mm-hmm. like anyone can become a Mandalorian if they accept the creed. And so you can do that. You can have the natives and just call them the natives and they are multi-ethnic and they are sort of a ideology that gathers people who have fallen into Neverland from all over the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And once again, you could do that with your D&D setting. You could have the natives and yeah, there's Princess Tiger Lily and maybe she's an elf. And there's dwarves, and there's kobolds, and there's halflings, and there's Trandoshans, and there's <laughs> whatever D&D creatures you want. And that takes the sting out. Yes. That, that's just, you know what, there's these people that live in Neverland, they're referred to as the natives, they're not a specific real-world ethnic group. <gasps> cool. Absolutely, that I think is the kind of easiest and simplest solution. 
Another possibility, if you want to lean into the kind of adventure fiction aesthetic, is something I've seen some people do, which is have them be very Viking-coded. Like, you can still call them the natives, or you can call them, like, the Norsemen, or the Northmen, or the Northerners. They can be a northern part of Neverland, and you could have, like, the fjords and the mountains, and it's very icy and cold, mm-hmm. and... They have dragon ships and mm. they're all blonde or red haired. With it could be a fun thing to pit against the pirates if they're seafarers, right? Exactly, yeah. And you know they say by the All Father, <laughs> and they can still play that role like your average American gamer is going to have some of those same cultural associations of this is this kind of very fierce but very honorable mm-hmm. warrior culture but without a lot of the baggage. Yes, and this idea of sort of a pre-technological society, of the aesthetic of having, like, the furs and everything. It's, right. it's a very... It works well with Vikings without having a lot of the baggage that... Yeah. <laughs> right. That's an aesthetic we associate with the past, mm-hmm. with the far past, with kind of the mists of an age of legends, mm-hmm. an age of the distant past. Kind of cultures that haven't been touched by, like, the spreading of whether it's the Roman Empire or Europe or what, or what, whatever, whatever forces of colonialism, aesthetically associated with pre-colonialism. And, but aesthetically associated with pre-colonialism, once again, without a lot of the baggage. Yeah. So you can just have <laughs> Princess Tiger Lily can just be in her, like, homespun wool with her blonde braids and her, like, horned helmet and her battle axe <laughs> and her drinking horn. And saying, by the All-Father, I want to make Peter Pan my husband. <laughs> One, you know, again, this is an area where you kind of need to know your table and you need to know, hopefully, everyone at your table has issues with the portrayal of the natives. Because once again, if everyone at your table does not have issues with the portrayal of the natives in the movie, then we have thoughts. Best case scenario, they have not rewatched yes. Disney's Peter Pan since they were not. Yes, but I know there was a lot of hue and cry with the, the 2016, 15, whatever it was, Peter Pan with, well, with Rini Mara being cast as Tiger Lily, because there was a sense of, well, yeah, Tiger Lily is super problematic, but we don't get much, guys. Come on, let us have Tiger Lily. And if that's going to be an issue at your table, if, the, if instead of being we're taking these problematic elements out, it's we're whitewashing Tiger Lily. You'll get you to know... What's going to work best? So we're not offering any of these as a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah, yeah. There aren't going to be any solutions here that are completely unproblematic. Just figure out which one is going to be best for your table. This is Chipotle. Yes. This is the menu. <laughs> you make your own burrito. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Speaking of, this is a perfect segue into my favorite burrito, which is leaning into some other aspects of the natives as they're particularly shown in the Disney movie and the book. And in that, the Disney movie, I can't believe I'm about to say something positive about what makes the red man red, guys. Lord help me. But the thing I do really like about that horrible racist trash fire song is it's supposed to represent this very Dionysian wild celebration that's being very much the opposite of this like proper English lifestyle that the darlings were raised in. The problem is that they put it with like an actual culture rather than <laughs> rather than having it just be this idea of Dionysian wildness in a vacuum, which is what I want to bring in here. Because I, I love that idea of having this group 
that's even wilder than the Lost Boys in their way. Kind of having that be the contrast. But obviously you can't do it with actual Native Americans. That's horrifying. What the heck is wrong with you people? So one thing when Tom and I were talking about this, going back to the word Dionysian and the roots of Dionysian. And what's another word for Dionysus? It's Bacchus. Who worships Bacchus? The Bacchae. In Greek mythology, you had the idea of the Bacchae. And they were these women who were this mystery called the Bacchus, who would whip themselves into a frenzy and just do all kinds of wild things in the name of Bacchus while they were in this frenzy. This is the family-friendly part of the podcast, so I'm not going to get into a whole lot of detail. You, you know the things we're talking about. You know about. the things we're talking about. And also murder. So much murder. Lots of murder. So what if the natives, in quotes, are the lost girls? What if this is what happens to girls who go to Neverland is that they have the option of either staying with Peter and being his mother and not getting to have any of the fun. And no, you don't get to party by the fire. You fetch the firewood. Or you can go and hang with the Bacchae and be wild and crazy and have the time of your ever-loving life. Speaking of, can't believe I'm saying anything positive. <laughs> the book as you said, is worse than the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in, a, we're in an evolutionary tree here. Yeah. But there is this awesome bit about how in the book, you know, they've captured Tiger. You remember the movie, they've captured Tiger Lily, and in the movie, it's specifically to get her to reveal Peter's hideout. But in the book, they're saying that Hook captured Tiger Lily because she was sneaking onto the Jolly Roger, climbing the mast with, like, a knife between her teeth to, to kill Hook. And that's pretty awesome. I adore Tiger Lily. Like, in she's the book. real. She's, she's so real cool. Kick butt. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. There's a whole thing about how there are all these men who want to marry her, but she's warding them off with a hatchet because she's not ready yet. Oh, she's so cool. <laughs> There's going to be a lot more of Rachel putting on her feminist boots throughout this episode, but I just I love the idea of really digging into that idea of the only way because Peter can't see girls as playmates because he's very much into this idea of only playing with boys. He can't see girls as a romantic partner because he's a child. He can only see girls as mothers. And the idea that the Bacchae are offering this alternative vision of womanhood that is also just completely wild and free and hedonistic and dangerous, but in a different way from Peter As you can tell from my tone of voice, I love this so much. (laughs) If I ever in Peter Pan, this is what we're doing. Right, they're going to be lost girls. And (laughs) just taking that tiger lily climbing the mast with a knife clenched in her teeth to kill Hook and like building it around that. Mm -hmm. The last kind of option that we've thought of, which might seem so obvious that you've been sitting there this whole time saying, why don't you talk about this thing, is to try to have them be... Native Americans, but running them respectfully. I know that when Pan came out, as mentioned, there was this huge outcry. You know, indigenous Twitter was losing its mind at, at the fact that you know Tiger Lily is one of the few examples of Native representation that they have, and now they're taking her and making her white. And come on, guys, just give them this. And the 2003 Peter Pan movie does actually do this pretty well. They had a native actress play Tiger Lily. I think the only dialogue she has in the entire movie, she's yelling at Hook, and they're having her speak an actual native language. And then they use them as little as humanly possible. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) and... 
box checked. Yes. So if you wanted to do something like that, if you wanted to kind of dive into playing it straight slash deconstruction, really digging into playing the natives as natives, you could do that. Personally, I would not be able to do that at my table because there's just so many images from the animated movie, from the Ugga Wugga Wigwam and the Kathy Rigby musical that, that think that my players would just be so tense and uncomfortable the entire time they wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Because even though they knew that I wasn't going to have them break into what makes the red man red, the specter would be hovering right. there. But what if you did? <laughs> but what if I did? What if it's right around the corner? <laughs> Every scene with the natives is going to be this held breath, <laughs> tensed up, waiting to see where it goes. But, you know, again, your table is your table. I know that, you know, Tom, for the main group that you GM, that we have had, like, First Nations and Native American characters in some of your games before. Right. So I think that with that group, we might be able to get something really interesting out of it. But there is also kind of the issue with the Natives, too, as we've already talked about, that, like, Peter Pan is the protagonist of Netherland. He's the PC. He's kind of filing everybody into his image of what they should be. And taking that idea with doing a non-stereotypical view of a real-world culture, they don't really go together. Yeah, as part of what we're talking about, the experience of Neverland as a domain, and honestly, this is true of Neverland just in the book and in a lot of the setting, mm -hmm. and in a lot of the interpretations is that everything does just kind of get flattened down mm -hmm. and made into these boys' adventure fiction supporting cast. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of good representation is like, it's like the opposite of that. <laughs> so there would be this weird tonal clash mm -hmm. very easily. And maybe once again, you could even play into that and sort of the horror of real world people and cultural groups being flattened down into being Buffalo Bill, Wild West show background guys. But your table, your players, you do you. So one more possibility, and this is something that comes from the unique narrative opportunities of specifically Dungeons and Dragons, Zizing, mm -hmm. Neverland, and Peter Pan, is that natives isn't just limited to like human groups, human cultures, either made up or real, but it could also be non-human groups, especially with Neverland. You have the Pixies, you have Tinkerbell, mm -hmm. you have this sense of it being this kind of magical land of story. It's very easy to see uh, Neverland as a kind of manifestation of the Feywild. This is probably what I would do if I were running mm -hmm. it, is have it be elves. Probably the least fraud of yeah. all our options. You know, <laughs> make your own Native American Neverland if you want to. If you want <laughs> to put that on DMs. Once again, your table, do what you want. If you, uh, Once again, my table, I would be going with the Lost Girls. But I think the most sticking with the general feel while not being fraught would be big in the elves. That idea of sort of the more Hobbit-esque, the wood elves. Mm -hmm. That they are the elves that are like, they're still elves. They have all the characteristic as elves. But that is one of your classic elf archetypes of, you know, they're forest ninjas. Mm -hmm. They're very honorable. Mm -hmm. They're very fierce. They have this, like, deep connection with nature. So, like, a lot of the stuff about how, like, the natives are these amazing hunters and trackers that is very problematic in the original book. Just put the word elf in. Mm -hmm. And it gets a lot less problematic. It's, it's like, ah, oh, yes, of course. The elves knew the pirates were there as soon as the, one of them stepped on a twig. <laughs> what do your elf eyes see? And the nice thing is we're not just like picking a D&D &D race that doesn't have as much baggage, but it even is a classic archetype that people do have with elves. So it still would fit that the, this is the land of adventure fiction feeling. 
And then if you wanted to play into that idea of kind of the horror of being put into this stereotypical box, there's a lot less sting with it being a wood elf than with it being an actual real world culture that is put into stereotypical boxes. And once again, you're going to need to go over it with your table. Some tables do not like the idea of racism, even in a fantasy context. And that's fine. That's, you know, you do you, you do your table, whatever works for you. If you want to skip past that entirely, you can. If that's a thing that your table wants to play up, you can. It's your game. Right. The first option we mentioned was the hook option of just not having it. Yeah. Or, you know, again, just have the have the wood elves and not be touching on the fantasy racism. Right. Caricaturing is also, again, the, the option that we went with in the write-up. Another possibility, one that I'll admit I know is also very fraught in its own way, but I'm just madly in love with the image of it, is... If we're going with this idea of the natives aren't evil, right? They're this third faction, but they're not evil they're, you know, because they, they never have been. They're just kind of in opposition to the Lost Boys. If we're talking about doing like a deconstruction of, of this kind of like image of the natives, one thing to do with that might be actually be doing something with orcs because a big issue with orcs and the way orcs are portrayed is having them always be evil. And with, with the natives, they're not. This is a way to play into an idea of orcs being very in tune with nature, of them being very wise, very canny. Some of the things that you don't normally get to see with orcs, because there's all this uh, warrior tribe stuff, you can still have kind of the, the warrior nature of orcs, but be bringing in all of this much more flattering, much more interesting stuff that we don't normally associate with them. And I will readily admit 99% of why I love this idea is because I love the idea of Tiger Lily being an orc princess. Because everyone thinks that Tiger Lily is just the hottest thing on two legs, and playing that completely straight with an orc princess, that just that just warms the cockles. And of my she heart. could be, you know, climbing up the map mm-hmm, the Jolly Roger mm-hmm. with a knife in her teeth to yeah. kill Hook in his sleep. But I just I love I love the idea of, you know, Tiger Lily, she's the most beautiful woman in Neverland. She's a great rival to Wendy for Peter's heart. And Wendy looks at the way that Peter looks at Tiger Lily and she's so jealous, and Tiger Lily is an orc. I just I love that so much. Also, this isn't a time or a place to be digging into mm-hmm. all the stuff with orcs and orcs in D&D mm-hmm. and what does it mean and what's the baggage. Uh, do some Googling, I guess. Yeah. But if you heard the using the natives to actually do some kind of deconstruction of the use of cultural groups in adventure fiction and we're like, that sounds fun, but also like juggling chainsaws. <laughs> like you can hit some of those same themes mm-hmm. and you can have to do some of that same deconstruction, but like with a bit of a remove. Yeah. So that might be a better option for some people, a bit less fraught. Yeah, it's it's going to be more fraught than using wood elves because there is a lot of baggage with orcs. But it's also some of the stuff about deconstructing the idea of colonialism into the idea of putting people in boxes is also going to hit harder. So once again, hitting harder, it packs a punch, but it hurts. So just yeah. make, make sure that you're not hurting your table. Make sure that you're picking the thing that's going to be the most fun for everyone. We're just... Giving you your options. Chipotle! <laughs> Make your, your own burrito. If that salsa is too spicy, yeah, then right. walk right There's by. a whole <laughs> rack of salsas. And you can find the ones just right for your burrito. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that that's pretty much everything we have on... Right, our exhaustive, like, half an hour discussion of... <laughs> the, the wonderful world of anti-racism. Right, yeah. Of, of, well, we got these natives, what do we do with it? <laughs> This is really important, guys. Yeah, we're trying. <laughs> Sorry, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> so I hear that there are other factions. That right? Yeah. No, it's just not just talk yet. About a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through museopen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. Thanks for listening. So you've also got Mermaid Lagoon. We don't see this very much in Hook. Uh, no, but I don't think we see it at all in Hook. The, he kisses the mermaids. Oh, that's yeah, right, they, yes. they give yeah, him okay. make out. They give him tongue CPR. Um, <laughs> and it's a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Watch your guys. It's great. Rufy. Oh! Yes.